from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. I'm Emily Woodbury. One hundred and twenty years ago, ragtime composer and musician Scott Joplin lived in St. Louis at two six five eight A Morgan Street. During that time, some of his most famous works were published, like this rag. The Entertainer, written by Scott Joplin in 1902 in St. Louis. That was one of many songs Joplin composed during the few years he spent in the Gateway City. And here with me now to share more about Joplin's work, his life, and his time here in St. Louis is Cookie Jordan. She's the site administrator for the Scott Joplin House. That site is where Joplin lived from approximately 1900 to 1902. Cookie, welcome to St. Louis on the Air. Thank you. So Joplin was here during the height of Ragtime's popularity. What do we know about what brought him to St. Louis? Um, Well, Scott Joplin was born in Texas, so he came to Missouri through Sedalia, Missouri. Um, He um, attended um, George R. Smith School um, for Negroes at the time and um, worked in and studied music there and wrote the Maple Leaf Rag, which became a million, you know, over a million copies um, sold in sheet music. So um, he thought that he would do great the uh, coming to St. Louis with the World's Fair coming. And so he had, had um, appeared at the World's Fair in Chicago. So he thought that it would be a bigger push for um, the ragtime music and the style of music that he was publishing and having published in writing. And so um, I think that was the push to come to St. Louis. So I've heard that Joplin was pretty unique because he knew how to write and read music. He was a composer in addition to being a musician. What do we know about where he learned to play, kind of his musical background? Well, um, he was, um, as a child, um, he learned to play um, just by fiddling with the piano. Um, He was very musical, um, learned how to play the banjo by his mother. Um, His brothers and sisters were very musical. Um, But his mother um, supposedly worked, uh, well, she was a washerwoman, and so that meant she worked at different people's homes. And some of the homes had pianos, so um, Scott Joplin could play without uh, knowledge of of reading music at the time, but he ended up with a music coach, teacher, uh, Alfred Weiss, and... um, that's how he got his start and um, really um, uh, enthusiastic start. Um, a wonderful teacher, a German uh, German man who was a teacher for, uh, uh, at the time, Texas didn't have public schools, so you had to hire your own teacher. And so um, the rich were able to hire um, people that uh, from 
other countries to come and teach their children. So um, on the side, he would teach Scott Joplin. Wow, interesting. Now, he's often referred to now as the king of ragtime, and you mentioned, you know, millions of copies sold. But was he famous at the time he performed? Was he very well known at the turn of the century? He was pretty well known um, because of the Maple Leaf Rag, um, because of the styles of music uh, that he wrote, um, because he wrote other things besides rags. He wrote waltzes and marches and um, a couple of ballets and a couple of operas. So um, he was getting to be well known. And a couple of operas. I don't know if a lot of people know that Scott Joplin wrote opera. Um, Yes, um, he wrote two operas. The first is Lost, and we don't know where it is, but we have evidence that he wrote it. That was called um, Guest of Honor. And that was to uh, recognize that Booker T. Washington had been a guest of honor in Roosevelt's White House and um, had gone to a state dinner. Um, Actually, it was a state luncheon. But he was an African-American man that was um, very prominent, um, probably the most well-known African-American man besides uh, Frederick Douglass. And um, he had a meal at the White House. So that was really big news across the whole United States at the time that it happened. And um, because Booker T. Washington was so uh, such a proponent of education, um, you'll notice there's Booker T. Washington schools in almost every state of the Union um, that are usually dedicated to African teaching African-American children. But Booker T. Washington also was for Um, people learning and going on to college. So um, he wrote that in reference to um, um, Booker T. being a a visitor to Roosevelt's um, White House. He also wrote a piece for Roosevelt called The Strenuous Life, which was based off of the book that uh, Roosevelt had written um, called The Strenuous Life as well. So the house Joplin lived in in St. Louis, where you work today, Cookie, um, and it's it's now Delmar Boulevard. Mm-hmm. Um, it used to be A Morgan Street. It's situated right at the confluence of Midtown, Downtown, and Jeff Vanderloo neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. What do we know about what the neighborhood was like when Joplin lived there? It was a very um, diverse neighborhood. It was African American, Irish, and Jewish. I'm um, not Jewish. I'm sorry, Irish and German. Um, not so much German Jews, but um, it was a German neighborhood, um, probably Lutheran, um, some Catholics. Um, and it was, a, it was a mixed neighborhood when Scott Joplin was there. Um, a lot of the German uh, rich had moved out, and um, the Irish poor and African-American um, um, neighbors had moved in by that time. It was a teeming, crowded neighborhood. It was very musical. Besides Scott Joplin, William Blue lived in the neighborhood. Louis Chavon's brother Sylvester lived in the neighborhood. And Louis Chavon was um, also a ragtime writer. And um, he could not, well, he composed, but he could not write the music. So Scott Joplin helped him with um, a piece called um, uh, Heliotrope Bouquet. And... um, William Blue was a um, band leader and eventually wrote 
a in a journal that the History Museum has when he was in World War II. He was a band leader in like the USO troops that, uh, or the troops that travel and play music. They did that to cheer on the the soldiers. So he was in a group of African American musicians that traveled throughout um, France. Um, um, cheering on the, he was also a soldier, but that was his job as a soldier was to be a musician. So um, he lived on the site actually where we live, where we are um, at 2650 Delmore on the rear, and Sylvester um, Siobhan lived at 2650 in the front of Del, uh, in the front of Morgan Street, which is now Delmore. So. Um, it was quite a musical neighborhood, quite uh, quite um, lively and vibrant and very busy. And how do you piece this together, all of this history? You know, like you mentioned that the opera Guest of Honor existed, but that it's lost. Um, you know, I feel like this is 120 years ago. These are some, like, ancient documents. How are you piecing together all of this history? Um, it's very interesting work um and it's very tedious work and it and um when i first started there we really didn't know a whole lot about scott joplin um we knew the basic story um from bleich and janice work but newspapers.com and ancestry.com has just opened up a lot of information for everyone in the history field that they can research. So the newspapers of the day would might have little information about um, um, someone coming to town, like uh, Dunbar or um, Lawrence Dunbar, the poet, or they might have an ad for Scott Joplin playing at a uh, musical in in the newspaper. So just reading newspapers, um, old newspapers, is what we do a lot of at the Scott Joplin House. So, and then we have to check. We have to check, just like with um, nowadays, you have to check the different views because the different newspapers might cover a story differently. If it's a story, a lot of times um, you have to make sure that the views are that we're telling this true story um, because Give an example of that um, sometimes the coverage of something that happened uh, could be swayed by the writer of the story so the Globe Democrat might be given a different view of the story versus the Post-Dispatch and so um, and Globe Democrat of course was a newspaper here in St. Louis and um, the Different stories, um, sometimes the gossip columns is where you get a lot of information, but it may have a kernel of truth in it versus um, the actual what happened. Um, an example is if someone died or was murdered or something, you could check the obituaries and usually the obituary will tell you when they died or how they died sometimes. Um, with, uh, with some of the stories, you get two different sides, so you have to decide 
well, which one is the truth? And so where they correspond, that's where you try to um, go from there. And um, it, it's a lot of detective work. If you have to read more than one entry to um, decipher what actually took place. It's like a, a writing a detective story backwards. It's mm. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's it's um, it's 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 interesting work. I'm talking now about Scott Joplin with Cookie Jordan. She's the site administrator for the Scott Joplin House in St. Louis. I'd like to have us listen to another Joplin classic. Here is The Cascades. Cookie, I read that Joplin was inspired to compose this piece for the 1904 St. Louis World's Fair, and you mentioned that at the start of our conversation. Um, Tell me a little bit about his inspiration for that and his connection to the fair. Um, Well, as I mentioned, he did come come to St. Louis because of the fair. A lot of people came to St. Louis um, to get work with the fair or to work the grounds or to start businesses or just to be where the World's Fair was going to take place. Um, it, um, a World's Fair was um, someplace that everyone wanted to be, um, not just the fairgoers, but um, it's, it's a World's Fair. We don't have them anymore, but um, World's Fair would bring people from all over the world. So everyone wanted to be here, and they needed workers to work uh, the World's Fair. And then people wanted to be the entertainers at the World's Fair. And even though Scott Joplin was not an entertainer, per se, at the World's Fair, he did write um, this piece, and a lot of people wrote pieces especially for the World's Fair. And the Cascades um, represents the cascading waterfalls that were at the World's Fair. So the trickling, the sound of the trickling sounds like the trickling water from the cascading um, waterfall um, that was in front of the art museum, today's art museum, and so the art palace. And so... um, he was inspired by whatever was going on around him. He he really was uh, very in tune to what was going on um, in the country and going on in nature and going on in you know in the environment. Um, several of his pieces are um, works that represent flowers and trees and even his other opera which I didn't mention which was Tremonitia is about uh, is named for um, for a little girl that was found under a tree and was adopted so her name became Tree Monisha. Monisha was the adoptive mother's name so they gave her that name but because she was so soothed by the tree um, he named it Tremonitia and um, this year, this coming year, um, Opera Theater St. Louis will be um, presenting a new work, including Tremonitia within its body, um, but a, 
a prologue and epilogue will be added to Scott Joplin's original work um, that talks about him and his wife, Freddie Alexander, on both ends of the in the prologue and the epilogue that gives it a um, a look into Scott Joplin's life um, from the point of view of his writing this work. So we're so looking forward to yeah. Opera St. Louis um, doing this incredible piece. Really looking forward to that. And do you say when when around can we? It's, it's, it'll be this to... summer. So okay. it will be um, when they have their their season. So um, it's not how opera theater works. It's not every night. Is an opera. Um, the 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 opera singers have to rest their voices, so they will have whatever four operas that they're presenting. And I don't have all four of them with me. I just know Tremonitia, but I know all four of them. But I I I don't want to mess up. But one night will be Scott um, Tremonitia, and then the other night will be the other piece. And so they'll have um, they run concurrently. intermingled throughout the entire month. Now, I I wonder if Joplin's identity as a black man living in the early 20th century presents challenges to learning about him today. You know, we talked about kind of how you're digging into documents and trying to find all this information. Um, Is that something you encounter? And as kind of technology gets more robust, do you hope to learn even more about him in the future? We, we hope to learn more. We always hope to learn more. Um, like I said, we used to say, I can't answer that, and sometimes we can't. And But um, the one good thing about Missouri is they documented everything. So if you got married here, they there's a document. Now, sometimes the courthouse burnt down and those documents left, but... Um, most of the documents in St. Louis are intact. The ones that were in Sedalia were lost due to a fire. But Missouri was very integral in collecting every piece of information they could on people. So they, um, and it's very extraordinary that um, we have the type, we had that foresight to do that. A lot of states did not. um, For instance, hard. he doesn't have a birth certificate, right? Right. He yeah. he does not have a birth certificate. He was born in Texas, but you know we do know his death date because he died in New York. And they were very savvy about um, collecting information as well. But some of the states um, were not as actively collecting information, um, vital statistics. Now, Cookie, we we started this conversation by mentioning how the Scott Joplin house in St. Louis made news after someone broke into the building in October, damaged tens of thousands of dollars in furniture and artifacts. Um, The damage is pretty significant. Can you share with us a bit of what happened in our final few minutes here and what needs to happen for the site to reopen? Well, we're currently closed. Um, We will reopen in we're hoping to open on um, in February when we typically open. So during that time, we will um, ass- we we are assessing um, all the damages. Um, we had to do a total um, uh, inventory of artifacts and 
um, furniture and all of those things and make sure that everything is still there. We're still doing that, but we have um, um, found and cataloged, uh, uh, recataloged um 1,271 pieces, <laughs> but that includes sheet music and piano rolls and furniture and um, objects of art, um, those types of things, because we have to make sure that um, everything is accounted for and the pieces that aren't, then that, then, you know, we'll be able to tell the story or, and, and some of the things we were going to deaccession, um, because they really had no link, but and we weren't going to go that way in education. For instance, if someone gave us, um, we get uh, donations a lot of piano rolls. Um, sometimes people give us their whole collection, and so um, um, we once we take a gift, we have to account for it. We just can't say, well, we don't need this and you can have it or you can take this home or we can throw it away. No, we don't do that. We have to keep, we have to hold on to it. So um, we're, we try to be very careful of what we take in as a donation. Um, and then with the damages that were done, um, not knowing what was thrown out the window, what was broken, um, totally, if something was totally smashed or totally torn up or something because it was it was that type of damage. Um, we have to figure out, well, that one is missing, and maybe that was a piece that uh, that occurred on October, you know, first. So um, it's it's like piecing together a puzzle. Um, we're actively working on it. We have sent banjos out to be. Um, repaired and um, we're working towards that end to um, bring everything together and um, I think we'll make it well think we'll make our February opening and so um, for a bigger and better Scott Joplin house. Well I look forward to visiting then Cookie. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming in today. Thank you. Cookie Jordan is the site administrator for the Scott Joplin House in St. Louis, where Scott Joplin lived from 1900 to 1902. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. We'll be back tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Emily Woodbury. episode was produced by Maya Norfleet. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our executive producer is Alex Hoyer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. Our podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? 
suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations, and leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thank you. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.